Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Next Level. I'm JVL here with my best friends, Sarah Longwell and Tim Miller of The Bulwark. Uh, quick reminder, this channel is going away if, if you are a YouTube watcher. If you're listening to it on a podcast machine, on Stitcher, perhaps, that's an inside joke, then you don't have to do anything. It's going to be fine. If you're a YouTube watcher, you got to go and subscribe to the main Bulwark channel. Just mash, mash that. It's right Even there. Even if you're not a YouTube watcher, really, you should be subscribed to the main Bulwark YouTube channel. Yeah. And also, a heads up, the focus group is coming back this Saturday. Best friend Sarah Longwell. Focus group podcast dropping Saturday. Do you have any people who sound like Cletus? Uh, I will say no. Oh, good. Good. But I will say it is a... a Big mashup of the summer focus groups because we never stopped doing the groups, just doing the show. Uh, can't stop, when it went won't on stop. Haze. Yeah, can't stop, won't stop. So the first one, our guest is Jake Tapper for our inaugural guest, which was great because it really it's about the indictment. It's all the sound from the various indictments and people's reactions. And so we get into sort of how does the media deal with this because the amplification has obviously helped Trump. And so it's a really interesting, great start to the new season. Uh, my guest, the second guest more or less handsome than Jake Tapper. The second guest uh, to talk about all the uh, also-rans is my pearl-wearing friend, Tim Miller. Mm. Oh. Handsome. <laughs> oh, how interesting. Okay, great. You'll be on the show, guys. You'll, you'll all be on the show, JVL. JVL, do all you right. know how many requests I get for just... Like, so people like offer me money to just let you sit and moderate a focus group and talk to real people. That is going to be the, the, the champagne room tier for the bulwark. <laughs> We're going to be rolling it out very soon. And what it is, it's actually, it's, it's going to be a little expensive, a little pricey, but did you see the movie Saw? Because what we'll do is we'll put the focus group people into a saw room and I am Jigsaw. And as they tell me their thoughts about politics and the world around them and whether or not inflation is way up and whether or not they can afford eggs, then I will devise some horrible way of, of murdering them. This is why no matter how much money people offer me, my answer is always no. <laughs> okay, Tim. You got a surprise for us. I don't know what it is. Let me hear. Yeah, it. I'd like to start out with a couple personal items, personal privilege that they're related to politics, and I just want—I just—they're surprises for both of you and for the audience. Um, and uh, they're kind of related to your newsletter today, actually, JVL, which is why oh. I thought it'd be good to start here. Uh, the first one—I was in New York this week. You didn't stop by. I didn't. Staying in a hotel. I don't know about you. Do you guys? Do you guys get weird dreams when you stay in hotels? We uh, like are, are more vivid dreams than when you're in your own bed. Maybe that's just me. No. I get very vivid dreams on the road. And uh, I woke up in a cold sweat on Tuesday morning in the middle of the night in a Hilton Garden Inn in New York um, because the UN was in town and everything was very expensive. And um, I realized that I'd been dreaming like a resistance porn dream about the fact that Donald Trump was about to become the president again. And I was like on a bus and we were like on a mission and I was with Bulwark people and other journalists and we were starting. And so like the dream is kind of corny and it's kind of weird. But But as I laid there in bed, I was like, my subconscious has really been kind of processing the fact that Donald Trump might be president again, and now it's like showing up in my dreams. Like, uh, you know, I've been sort of denying this reality as possible, and it's been showing up in my subconscious. And I've been, I was thinking about what can I do to kind of help myself process this? Okay, this Ooh. relates to item two. Um, and that is uh, when I decided to move to New Orleans, the first thing we did before we found Tulsa School, before we did anything, we identified when the Beyonce tour was stopping in New Orleans. And that is next Wednesday. 
That is next Wednesday evening, uh, September the 27th. Uh, we purchased tickets before we purchased a home. We are very excited about this. We love Beyonce. Uh, big Frida, who is on her record, is from New Orleans. It's the tour closer. It's going to be so exciting. And then a couple of weeks ago, I've been keeping this inside. I noticed that the second Republican debate was scheduled for that same evening. And I was, I was mourning this. I was mourning it. I was saying, I can't believe I'm going to miss this for this fucking second debate. And after I had that dream, I was like, you know, I need to do something for me. <laughs> and so, friends, I'm not going to be watching the second Republican debate. The first one did cool. not matter. The second one does not matter. It is on Fox Business. And I'm going to go to Beyonce, and I'm going to wear a very slutty outfit, and I'm going to wear face things. I'm going to get in costume. And uh, I guess maybe I'll come home and watch a replay of it. I don't know. But I'm just, I'm doing this for me. And it's just one small step. I know that I know that I owe the, the listeners and our Bullock Plus subscribers, like they want to hear what I think about things. I get that. But, you know, we all need to process like the horribleness of the next 13 months in our own way. And I'm just, I'm not taking this joy away from myself. If Donald Trump all might right. be the fucking president again, I'm not taking this joy away from myself to watch Vivek and Nikki Haley fight over who's at 6%. Like, I'm just, I'm not going to do For that. For the champagne room tier of, <laughs> of Bulwark Plus membership, you are going to, from your phone, zoom in for literally three minutes from wherever you are, from the arena, from the street yeah. outside, with the face stuff, whatever that means. I don't even know what that means with your it's slutty like, costume. Like face I don't jewels. know what that means either. I'm going to wear face jewels. And you're just going to, you know, as lit up as you are, you're going to just give us a two minutes on how the concert was. I, I will do that. I'm glad. I'll, okay. I'll, happy to, I'll be happy to do that. And um, and so that part is is more, it's it is funny, but it's also, and it's also shtick, but it's true. The second debate doesn't matter. So I just, I don't know why I would, I would change this, but it, it is related to the first part, which is serious, which is your newsletter, JVL, which is like, <sighs> this is like oh, really you happening. Read it. Sarah, did you read it? This is really happening. It's not even out yet. <laughs> It's not and out I was yet, just Sarah. I was just taping know, hacks I'm on so... tap right before this, it's so I haven't read out. anything. Don't let him bully you. It's not even out yet. He sent it to me for my thoughts. And I was like, oh my God, this newsletter is right in line with what I was laying in bed in the middle of the night thinking about. It. It's like we have to accept this. Like this is really, this is really happening. And um, and I think that it will um to move to a more serious note for Beyonce, I, I think that it explains a little bit of the increased angst that I'm seeing among the pro-democracy coalition. You know, there's a little bit of infighting happening right now. People are mad. Like, there are certain people that want to raise red flags about Joe Biden. Certain people are mad that people want to raise red flags about Joe Biden. Certain people want them to do this and want to do that. And they want to argue about strategy. And, and maybe we should do this. Maybe we should do that. And I think part of that angst is related to the fact that, like, everyone is is at the same time processing the fact that, like, this is fucking really could happen like this lunatic could really be the president again. And so I think that we should have a little bit of grace with each other as everyone kind of figures out the right approach. Sarah obviously is going to have the best approach because she has the most data to figure it out. But, uh, you know, that is going to include what the right approach is for defeating him uh, politically, but also what the right approach is for all of us not losing our fucking minds between now and next November. So that, that's where I wanted to start. Sarah, what do you think the odds are that he's president? 45%. Yeah. Yeah. And so how are you dealing with that mentally? Let's talk about this. Like I'm your therapist. I mean, look, I, I deal with this stuff the way I've always dealt with it, which is to try to figure out what can I control in this situation, right? And I am spending my time and I'm not, no judgment. I, I think Beyonce concerts are great, but I am getting in front of every person that I can get in front of to say, 
Donald Trump can legitimately win. You've got to start reckoning with this. I'm spreading anxiety, actually, because I'm like, you got to start reckoning with this. We need a strategy. It's going to be harder this time because you are not, people can't project their hopes and dreams onto Joe Biden. He's got a record to contend with that despite JBL's protestations is not as popular as you'd want, considering the danger that Donald Trump represents. And uh, there's a bunch of exogenous events that could happen around health. I become very queasy, not because I think one way or another about Kamala Harris. I just listen to voters, swing voters especially, when you say Trump or Biden, and they say Biden, you say Biden or DeSantis, and they say Biden, you say Kamala or Trump, and they go, uh. That is just a reality that I hear from swing voters, okay? So I just, there's nothing to do, but I can't do anything but listen to the voters and and hear what they're saying, and then, uh, yeah. So that's how I manage my anxiety. I manage my anxiety by, I'm going to build, I shut down Republican voters against Trump because I thought we weren't going to need it again. You know, we will we will build an army of Republicans and Republican voices talking about why Trump is unfit to be the president. We will do everything we can to persuade people. I'm going to talk to everybody about why no labels should not be part of the equation in 2024 because they are deeply dangerous and will reelect Donald Trump. And so like, I'm going to do what I can to control the situation. And then I, the, what I can't control. Your dreams. You know, it's like <laughs> my dreams. You're it's so like uh, what it's uh, literally it's the AA prayer. God can't grant me the serenity to change the things I can and not the ones I can't and the wisdom to know the difference. I don't know. I'm not actually an alcoholic, so I don't know, but. Okay. That's good. I'm for all that, by the way. And Beyonce. I just, I'm just saying that for people, it's a long slog and you know, some of us might process things differently and, and, and want to do the things we can to change while also, you know, not waking up in a cold sweat every night. All right. So I want to talk a little bit about the Kristen Welker interview on Meet the Press. I want to table the entire, like, was it a good or a bad interview? Because I think I've already curb stomped Will on that. And I don't, I don't want to do any more. <laughs> you're just moving on. Like you're just steamrolling over your feelings in this, like this newsletter where you're talking about how you're going to find peace in your heart with the fact that Donald Trump is going to turn our, our great American experiment on its head. You're just going to steamroll right past that. You're like, we're going to talk about this another week. And I'm just going to focus on my domination of Will in the Kristen Welker debate. All right. I, I'll give you this. I'll give you 30 seconds. I have come, possibly through my practice, yoga practice, to a place of peace and acceptance on this because I can see a world in which there were a number of exogenous events that impacted Donald Trump becoming elected president again, right? In which Joe Biden was the second coming of Jimmy Carter, in which unemployment was at 7%, or he just bumbled away his entire presidency. Or, or even in which during the first Trump term, the grownups had all basically kept him under control and he just, there were some mean tweets and a lot of norm breaking, but things were, nobody really got a peek as to the how trains bad. trains were still running on time. Right. Nobody saw what it would have looked like if the car, you know, the wheels had come off the car. And uh, instead, what we've had is, again, just objectively, a very successful first presidential administration, uh, just objectively, an economy which is an economy which is pretty good. Maybe you won't go all the way to like, hey, things are actually quite good, as Noah Smith would. But uh, but but again, you know, things are pretty good. Can you find some problems? Yes. Can you find problems in every economy? Absolutely. Uh, Joe Biden has not been Jimmy Carter. And we are in a world where unemployment is quite low. Uh, inflation is coming down. Real wages are up. 
Uh, jobs are being created. America is at peace. Our alliances are strong and our enemies are feeling it, right? Russia, not a great place to be right now. China, got a lot of concerns. And if facing all of this and seeing unemployment was at 13% when Donald Trump left office, 13%. Uh, he attempted a coup. He committed a number of alleged felonies in, in broad daylight in front of us all. And if seeing all of this stuff, you know, again, an extra like 300,000 Americans died because of his just inject yourself with bleach. I refuse to be photographed wearing a mask stuff. If Americans are going to look at this and say, yeah, I think I'd like that guy again. Then honestly, is there anything that any of us could have done? Here's, here's how I liken it. If you go to somebody and you say, would you like a watermelon or an apple? And they say, you know, I think I'd prefer the watermelon. Smart. It would not be unreasonable to say, how about an orange, right? Uh, what if I offer you an orange or a watermelon? Well, maybe they would take the orange, right? I mean, these are both foods. And maybe you could say, look, well, if we had given them a different choice or a better choice, they would. if you offer somebody a grenade or an apple and they pick the grenade, changing that to an orange isn't going to do anything. They just want the grenade. So you're finding peace. Okay, great. I'm finding peace in all of this. This was important. This is why I wanted you to say that, just because we don't need to rehash our, our fight about the economy like we did last week. We can, we'll can we have another op opportunity to do that. But just in summary, I am dealing with the prospect of a Donald Trump presidency by avoidance and mm -hmm. attending Beyonce concerts and you know trying to maintain work-life balance. You, JVL, you are dealing with it by just accepting that there's nothing that you could possibly do to change it and that the great and good American people might just want a grenade. Like no, hearing that an asteroid is coming for, for planet Earth, right? What are you going to do? It'll hit us or it won't. And Sarah, you are processing this by trying to do everything you possibly can in your soul to move things one inch the right direction. I think those are all reasonable. Sarah's probably the best of us as usual, but I just, I just wanted to kind of stay that. And so if the listeners... All of them, if you all are processing this different ways, you kind of choose your choose your own adventure. So I want to talk about Trump's abortion comments on Meet the Press with Kristen Welker. He says, we're going to agree to a number of weeks or months or however you want to define it. However you, the people, want to define it. Fortnites. And both sides are going to come together and both sides, both sides, and this is a big statement, both sides will come together, and for the first time in 52 years, you'll have an issue that we can put behind us. That sounds amazing. I want to live there. Asked about whether DeSantis's six-week abortion ban is too far, Mr. Trump replied, I think what he did is a terrible thing and a terrible mistake. Mm. This is highly interesting. Sarah, what do you think? I think that this is where Trump is going to be. Frankly, JVL, you said that this is exactly how he would respond. I'm not sure. Somebody should go back and pull JVL's imitation of Trump on abortion because <laughs> Trump got so, like, it'll be, it'll be perfect. It'll be the best compromise. It's like exactly Everyone where he landed. Everyone so happy because that's how abortion politics have traditionally worked in America. People are happy at the end. Yeah. <laughs> and I do think he'll get his way on this. This is a better issue for Donald Trump than, it. well, there's a few things going on here. One, he's already running for the general election. Like, that's clear, right? He is he is trying to stake out a position that is not, he's willing to like roll the dice for a little bit maybe of, of 
shaving off of base voters, evangelicals, whatever, because he's making a he's making a, a general election play. That said, I also don't think he's going to see a big shave off of voters. I mean, this is like the freak out from the anti-antis. Like Eric Erickson was like, this is really going to hurt him. Or like A.G. Hamilton or this is, wow, he just doesn't even know what he's stepped in here. Are you guys insane? Where have you been for eight years? The only surprising thing about what he just said is that you are surprised by it. And with voters, this is to go back to an oldie but goodie for me, his relationship with the voters is deep. Other people's relationship with the voters, DeSantis, whatever, it's shallow, right? They don't care. These guys have been in the tank for Trump. They have fought for him over Thanksgiving dinners. They've lost friends over him. These are sunk costs. And if you think that him saying, frankly, the most popular position uh, on abortion is going to cost him this primary, give me some of what you're smoking. It's a cult, and it's also a cult, right? It's religious in nature, right? It's sort of, it's like the Catholic Church thing when, you know, the priests were diddling boys and the news came out about that. And, like, you what, you expected people not to show back up in church on Sunday? You expected people to think that their priest was a, was a boy diddler? No. Like, it was part of their identity. It's, it's part of their relationship. It was hard. Some people in the church processed it. Some people got mad. Some people ignored it, pretend like it didn't happen. Many people ignored it, pretend like it didn't happen. Many people said, the media is out to get us because of our faith. Like, people aren't going to get mad at Donald Trump. Like, Donald Trump is their Jesus. He's the orange Jesus. They're not going to get mad at him over an, uh, the nine-week thing. Unfortunately for Ron DeSanctimonious and Nikki Haley and the rest of them, they can't make these kinds of mistakes. Like, the deep, shallow point that you're making, Sarah, is, like, it's even greater than that, right? It's like, Donald Trump doesn't, they don't just have a deep relationship with him. Like, he is part of them. They are one. You know, they have his crucifix above their dinner table. Okay, they're not they're not going to blame him over this sort of thing. And, and this could tie back to my night sweats. The other thing about this that's frustrating is that he's not just in the right place about this. Like, he's, he's showing correct political instincts where all the other Republicans are wrong. It's the same as the UAW thing, right? Like, yeah. Tim Scott is out there. He's like, fire the workers for striking. <laughs> and Trump's like, I'm going to speak to the workers. And people are like, Tim Scott is the normie. And it's like, well, really? I mean, Trump is closer to the median viewpoint about this. Like, Tim Scott might be more normal in his personal... Oh, Tim Scott's maybe a bad example. He's been acting very weird lately. But Nikki Haley might be, might be more closer to the normal per- in her personal behavior. But Donald Trump's... Is- closer to the median voter on this. And, and so I, I think this is why there, like, there's good reason to be concerned about like that once again, like he is showing better aptitude than the rest of the party, you know, when it comes to the controversial issues. It's the Mike Pence stuff, right? I mean, the, so the Susan B. Anthony list and all the pro-life Inc. people are, are very upset. <laughs> mm. <laughs> they, you know, one of them told Semaphore, this is a great thing that, you know, uh, you know, Trump in this cycle is just, He's acting like he's done with pro-lifers, that we had somewhat of a transactional relationship, and that transaction is now over. And, you know, this this anonymous person who is anonymous, like, harumphs, we're going to show him. You don't no, say. Not. You made a transactional relationship with Donald Trump. Oh, really? You, you are to, to pro-life voters as Mike Pence was to evangelical voters. He doesn't need you anymore. And you know what? When he wins the nomination, you're going to come rolling back to him just as eager. You're going to endorse him no matter what. You're going to spend a bunch of money supporting him. And he knows it. Yeah, but also he gets to say correctly to them, who gave you the Roe v. Wade overturning of your dreams? Who gave you your three justices? And then they go, yeah, that's true. 
Like, he can have it both ways on this one. Yeah, it's great. The Biden team, this is a funny response to this. Like, the Biden team's correct. He he can kind of have, he can have it both ways in the primary, right? Yeah. I think the Biden team will be able to correctly, you know, kind of point out that, oh, okay, well, Donald Trump, you might think it's terrible that Ron DeSantis went to six weeks, but but he only was able to do that because you. Right, like, like that's the only oh, reason I that it know. happened. Because, like, you, so you did that. Like, so you can try to back off it. You know, so I think they can prosecute that case against him in a way that might be workable. A funny aside about that is that Biden has started to do that this week, and and Eric Erickson, some of these guys are like, the Biden team is helping Trump with pro-lifers, and it's like, no, like you guys just don't understand the dynamics here. Like Trump is fine with pro-lifers; he he doesn't need them anymore. As JVL said, he can try to now tack back and appeal, and now Biden and him can fight over that turf, where where obviously I, I think Biden's in a stronger position. Here's a real question, though, for you guys. Why couldn't Trump say, yes, I appointed those three perfect justices and they overturned Roe v. Wade, which was a terrible law. Everybody knows that it was a terrible law and wanted it overturned. And so now we can finally have a compromise. That's what this is, the art of the deal. You got to find a compromise where everybody likes it and is happy. And you know what? Those laws down in Texas where they're trying to arrest women driving through their counties, that's terrible. I don't support that. And when you put me in office because the Republicans will do whatever I tell them to. Believe me, they'll do what I tell them to. We're going to sign a great compromise that's going to make everybody happy. Why won't that work? I, I agree with you, actually. I just I think running on abortion against Trump is going to be much harder than Democrats think. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think it would, be, it would be much more effective against DeSantis or any other candidate than it will be against Trump. Which is another thing. Remember, Dems have been telling themselves, like, Dobbs will save us. No, it won't. I agree that it'll be harder than running against DeSantis on that issue. But they can still I, I don't know that it's case. not. It, I, yeah. I think Roe v. Wade was still very popular. Like Roe v. Wade still is very popular, and I think that the, that this argument that you're making, you know, from Trump, uh, you know, I, I think he'll be able to get over on people for whom abortion is not a mo- the motivating issue. You know, like uh, right for people who like you know your barstool bros, your your men, you know, your non college black and Hispanic men who like are really more with Biden on this, but like it's not their strong issue. I, I do think it will continue to hurt him with. You know, some of the groups that it, that it hurt Republicans with in the midterms, though. I do think Democrats, you know, Republicans have been very good at making the Supreme Court a dominant issue for their sort of low propensity, or not low propensity, but people who maybe weren't enthusiastic about Donald Trump. Like, that was the big rationalization was the courts. And I think that that is where Joe Biden can make a real pitch to sort of progressives and people who are down on him or just not feeling, you know, super strongly that, like, we have to protect the Supreme Court because look at what they've done. And I think litigating it that way can be effective. A good line for Joe Biden might be, Clarence Thomas is going to die sometime, guys. You guys think I'm old, but that guy's old too. I don't know, Sarah. Isn't that hard, though, because Biden has not done anything that the progressives wanted him to do with the court? A lot of people, I think, very sensibly say, Biden should be tacking more to the center. He nominated Kentonji Brown Jackson. No, I I know. But, he hasn't packed the court or he hasn't like, packed the court. Like he hasn't delegitimized the court. Yeah. Right. And it's I, I do worry that in the same way that a lot of people say, oh, Biden needs to be tacking more to the center, do more for working class voters and more populist. That's true, but he does have to worry about I mean, you know, politics is the art of the possible. He does have a a liberal chunk of his coalition that he has to keep minimally on board. And I worry that maybe he wouldn't be able to keep them minimally on board over the Supreme Court stuff. Maybe not. I don't think that's right. And here's why. Like, I don't think anybody could have beaten Trump other than Joe Biden, right? But I also think 
that I think that's not true in 2024. Also true in 2020. I mean, it's true I don't think both. that's true in 2024. <laughs> but regardless, because this is where we are and people should stop living in a fantasy land like it's going to be somebody else. I think that what Joe Biden is doing is not forming a pro-Joe Biden coalition. Joe Biden needs to form an anti-Trump coalition. This is why the, the no labels thing is so scary, because it fractures the anti-Trump coalition. Yep. And so I do think that voters, like progressive voters, this is this is going to be one of those things where Donald Trump will be a big both get out the vote and also get people over the hump. Like once they are confronted with a Donald Trump, Joe Biden rematch, uh, people are going to want to stave off disaster. And Joe Biden is the only tool to do that. Not mm, calling him a tool. Lips. I'm saying a. Uh, yeah, no, I agree. That. Other people, eventually normies will start to have the same night tremors that I'm having. Yeah. Right. And uh, and hopefully right. that'll, you know. Fingers crossed. Okay, so we got some actual governing stuff happening. We've Ooh. got uh, Vladimir Zelensky uh, at the UN, Biden at the UN, then Zelensky coming to the White House. We've got, I guess we're going to shut down the government because Lauren Boebert likes giving handies. Or Are those two things related at all? No? They're slightly yes. related in the sense that Republicans in the House are complete lunatics, as Congressman Waller a Republican congressman noted. Well, do you have to be a lunatic to want to give a handy during Beetlejuice the musical? I don't know if that's necessary. <laughs> like, she is a lunatic. I just don't know if I don't know if her lunacy is necessarily related to the Beetlejuice the musical. I disagree hand with job. that. I disagree you with do. that. Okay. Yeah. You don't think, I think there's that, anybody with their head on straight that would also be interested in giving a hand job during Beetlejuice the musical? Maybe. I do think that they were like in a very public place and that wasn't like the most discreet thing. And then she was also vaping on top of it. Like this was like calling a lot of attention to oneself. Um, and also- I kind of wish it had been in a really serious play so that it would have been like the Seinfeld making out in the back of Schindler's List. Like if, they, if, if she had been like doing this heavy petting She's during Les Mis or something, right? They'd be like, come on, what are you, what are you doing? How could you do that during Les Mis with Beetlejuice? I think gone. Beetlejuice the musical is highbrow for Lauren Boebert. I think she thought Fair. she was at a highbrow. I did not know they had made a musical out of Beetlejuice, which I got to say as a lover of musicals and as somebody who watched Beetlejuice quite a bit as a child. Never did I think to myself, you know what they should do? Make this into garbage. a Broadway musical. I'm so Hot upset. I'm sorry. I've derailed us, but my mother and my father have season passes to the Buell Theater. And as soon mm -hmm. as I saw this clip, I immediately texted them. And I was like, tell me you were there. Tell me you were there. <laughs> and they had tickets, but my mother has a friend who, unlike Sarah, is much more up to date, apparently, on the more recent musical fair. And, and my mother's friend was very loved the Beetlejuice musical. Uh, oh, which is maybe that it's because it's good. I have no, I have no idea. So no judgment based on that. But um, so they've given them away, and I was like, so close. You're so close to having having been there for the handy scene around the world on around the world. Can I just say though, I, I, there's this part of me. I'm not rushing to Lauren Boebert's defense, and I'm certainly not taking the position that Tim is, which is that this is just a thing sometimes people do in theaters. Uh, but the the amount of like when I opened Twitter after that happened, that video, it was just one wall of that video. Like I just had to, I scrolled and just kept seeing Lauren Boebert get felt up and grabbing this guy, you know, and, and a lot of people were making this joke about how one time she talked about being driven to her knees or whatever. And I, I'm going to sound like the girl on the podcast right now. Donald Trump paid off a prostitute. And he has been accused of sexual assault all of these times. And he is the trashiest, vilest, most disgusting person. And people are like, right on. Yeah. Like, uh, and people, even, even people who hate him don't really hang around 
the like his trash bagginess around him. Like that's not where they go. But for Lauren Boebert and Marjorie Taylor Greene, that is, and, and, and Christy Nome, right? They've like all had these sort of real sexual, and I think that they are all related. Like I think Donald Trump's complete absence or whatever the negative version is of sexual morality is now like the standard fare in the Republican party. But I do think these Republican women, especially by Democrats are being treated differently than the way Donald Trump gets treated. Not especially by Democrats, just kind of by everybody like normies. I agree with that. Maybe. I mean, isn't it sort of a hope that for some reason, because like Lauren Boebert doesn't have her own cult, that maybe this will stick against her? I mean, maybe this isn't any club at hand. And the reason people have stopped trying it with Trump is because it's clear that it just doesn't work, right? Maybe. But like Madison Cawthorn, it was like, well, he's gay. It was like the gay stuff and like the the women and they're they're all trashy and disgusting. Like they they it's, so yeah. it's not it's not the absence of it. It's that I think it's being celebrated. Trump has been a positive for him as this. Alpha it just male. it doesn't hurt him at all. Let me defend Lauren Boebert a little bit further. As somebody who is near the Great White Way, who is a lover of the theater, mm. uh, weird shit happens in theater audiences all the time. This we is, had a thing is... happening on Broadway not long ago where somebody was pooping in the aisles <laughs> during shows, <laughs> and nobody knew how. Choked on Nobody my knew how this was happening. <laughs> that there was just like it was, you know, it happened dozens of times. And you know, like the intermission, dozens? the lights would come up and there'd be a pile of a poop right in the pooper? middle of the aisle. There was a serial secret is it pooper. Pitch black in your theater. Like this is it's not like in a theater you can't this visibly was not, I was not there. I'm just telling you okay. that maybe we should view representative Bobert's actions in a wider context of it's not so bad. And if she wants to vape a little and have a little bit of a uh, heavy petting time, like that is not outside of the norms that we do see in the theater there. I think the problem with the vaping was really that she was, she was sort of trying to shut it down and she fought with them over it. Listen, I'm not saying this is not <laughs> a trashy. Do you know who I am? It's like, yeah. man, I'm not saying she's not wearing? completely trashy I... and she should resign. Like she should resign over this. Lots of people, but like, my point is, is that it is a broader problem in the Republican Party of nobody caring about morality, decency, decorum, any of those things, and like having no shame. Tim Miller also, though, somebody who has no decorum, who thinks that people in the Senate should be able to wear whatever yes. baggy let's gym shorts that they want. Let's yeah, this. let's do it. We'll do the uh, government shutdown on later. Let's fucking do this right now. Yeah. By the way, really quick, people <laughs> should people should Bobert and Fetterman. People should donate to Adam Frisch. But let's do this. Let's do this. People should I'm gonna, donate I'm to Adam state Frisch. my position. So so for people who have not followed my ex as closely as you have, uh, I'm gonna state my position and then you Great. can then you can judge me. Uh, people should wear whatever they goddamn please in the Senate. And not only should people wear whatever they goddamn please, we shouldn't have dress codes for the Senate. It's it's ridiculous to have dress codes for the Senate. The whole point of the American experiment. President Camacho agrees. The whole point of the American experiment is that we overthrew the royalty, the kings and queens, and all of their bullshit. Our representatives are just people. They are plumbers. They are farmers. They are policemen. They're firemen, they're whatever, they're bankers, they're representatives of the people. But aspirationally, our offices, our elected officials are representatives of the people. They're not special, they're not lords and ladies, they do not get on a knee and we do not put a sword on top of them. We overthrew the fuckers that thought about that. And this is a long held rant of mine way before Fetterman that we should stop with this fake, with, with all, you know, there's, there's a reason that George Washington said he wanted to be called Mr. President. John Adams wanted to call him His Excellency or something. And, and George Washington was like, no, 
I want to be Mr. President. I'm a representative of the people. And then when I leave, I go back to being one of the people. That is that is how our system should be. And if and if if the people want to wear fucking sweatpants on the house floor, they should. And they should stop for stoplights. And they should they should be treated just like all like all of the rest of us. Okay. They some of them might need security because we have a lot of insane people out there right now. But besides that, they should be treated with like all of the rest of us. And and we should stop with this faux, haughty, you know, vestigial aristocratic bullshit. So that's my take. Sarah, tear this dude apart. Yeah. So, uh, Tim, if you owned a business of some kind, I don't know what business you own. Could literally be any kind of business. Uh, And you had employees, and those employees. Let's say the job wasn't like cleaning up trash cans, uh, but it was you know a thing that that you had customers that you wanted them to sort of take you seriously as a professional, and they showed up in gym shorts and uh, t-shirts. Now I think that. If you say right now that you would have no problem with that, you're lying. Because we, people who do jobs, like grown-up people, right? I'm talking about like adult people, (laughs) what adults do, uh, is that they put on clothes to reflect the seriousness of whatever it is they're doing in their endeavors. And uh, no moss, no moss. Sarah, don't do any more. The people who are in the Senate and the House of Representatives should operate as though they are doing an important job, an important job for the people. And they should dress like the job that they have impacts people's lives, not like they're on their way to a pickup basketball game. Now, listen, I am not uh, not asking to the, them to wear powdered wigs. And I myself am a dress down enthusiast. I wear a right now I'm wearing a blazer, a little shirt jeans and uh, and little kicky shoes, but nothing with heels. No I don't like that. Okay. And so I don't expect that they have to show up every day in dinner attire, right? Like a three-piece suit or a tux. All I'm asking for is that they don't dress like they're on their way to coach a little league game while they are holding votes on whether or not we fund Ukraine to support other democracies in the world so that they can be taken seriously by their colleagues and their constituents. I have two points and then we can move on. I just want to defend my honor for whatever it's worth. It's, this was different than than working at a, there's no customer facing thing, but I, I do just want to say this. We are I, customers. I, I have been the boss before. I was a boss at a PR firm. I had a young woman who came into my office all nervous one day and, and she will vouch for me on this. And she said, Tim, I would like to dye my hair purple. And she was like, do you have a problem with that? Is that going to be an issue? And I was like, no, it's no fucking issue. I was like, it's, it's, I can't believe that you felt like you had to come in here. And she was so relieved and she was so excited because I was like, who cares? We're a PR firm. If you want to, if you want to dye your hair purple, you should dye your hair purple. That seems fine. To, that seems fine to me. And so I, that's just me. I don't, I don't think it matters. I think everybody should be their authentic selves. Uh, as far as your point about the house floor, again, we have a democratic system. If the people are that upset about it, they can vote them out. Somebody can run against them and they can make their whole campaign about the fact that they wear suits and tuxes and like they think that he's disrespectful. But like he was the mayor and he was lieutenant governor and he dressed like a slud then and then they put him in the Senate. So like for me, it's like it doesn't seem to me like the people it matters that much to people. If Fetterman was sort of, you know, doing this, whatever, the question is, is about whether they change the rules for everybody so that the entire institution now dresses yeah, like a gym stupid. teacher. The rules are stupid. The rules were stupid. 
So some of the rules are stupid, right? The idea that like women have to like cover their yeah, arms. Or, like, but you know what? This is kind of like, this is not an incremental shift. This is going from <laughs> women must wear pantyhose to, hey guys, dumb. no need for pants. No need for pants at all. <laughs> no shoes, Senator John no Fetterman. shirts, I would just like to say no what Tim has defended here that. is not wearing pants in the Senate and giving hand jobs in uh, theaters, <laughs> both of which I think is behavior that is not, that is unwelcome, though not I'm equivalent. Not, I would just like I'm to say I'm not saying I'm Silver. for giving hand jobs in the theater. I was just saying, I think that there are people who give hand jobs in the theaters who, who are not necessarily lunatics. That's all I was saying. Anyway, all right. Listen, okay, we got to keep pe- moving. Quote from Senator John Fetterman. This is actually a beautiful transition. If those jagoffs in the House stop trying to shut our government down and fully support Ukraine, then I will save democracy by wearing a suit on the Senate floor next week. God bless you, Big John. So that brings us to the shutdown. Finally, we can talk about the shutdown. Uh, It's going to happen, and I just assume it's going to be bad for Biden and the Democrats. Sarah, tell me I'm wrong. So I I don't think you're exactly wrong. I Look, hey, I think that it is dangerous because what happens is, is people are not reading Punchbowl. They are not reading Politico. They're going to look up and say, oh, the government's shutting down and I'm not going to get my check. Who do I blame? And their first reach might be for Joe Biden. I will say the one difference this time is that Republicans have done an unbelievable job of making sure to hang around their own necks. No, we did this uh, in a way that I'm not sure they ever have before. In fact, there's a bunch of people who are going to be very proud of it on the Republican side. They are going to own it. So I I worry about things like this because I worry about the general perception of chaos because I think the general perception of chaos is sort of bad for Biden. Well, like I said, I think Republicans, though, are taking some of the bite out of that by just making it real clear they're doing this. This is Mike Lawler, one of the moderate-ish Republicans um, who's in in a Biden district. Uh, Here's what he says about this. This is stupidity. The idea that we're going to shut the government down when we don't control the Senate, we don't control the White House. These people can't define a win. They don't know how to take yes for an answer. It's a clown show. You keep running lunatics. You're going to be in this position. So I think that that is going to help, to Sarah's point, you know, as the crazy Republicans hang a lantern around themselves and they say, we did this. And then the Mike Lawler Republicans go out there and say, yeah, they did this. Um, I, I do think that's going to challenge you know, the, the more traditional kind of shutdown fight ability of, of both parties to blame it on the other side. I don't think people have like really come to terms with the fact that like it's like it's going to happen. McCarthy doesn't have a path out besides getting Democratic votes, which he refuses to do. And Matt Gates, I guess, I think strategically left in the bathroom, you know, his motion to vacate McCarthy, which it was possible that Matt Gates was just pulling a Bobert in the bathroom or doing something and forgot his forgot his motion to vacate. But I think it's probably likely that he did that as like a threat kind of thing. It's on a baby changing table, which is like a little on the nose. Like it's time to like change the shit. You think uh, he was jerking it to his own motion to vacate? Maybe he was jerking it to his own motion to vacate. But I think more <laughs> that likely would be on it was brand. he figured people Looking would see Looking in the mirror it. with his motion to vacate right in front of him. Humana, to me, it humana. seems like a Matt Gates move to be like, I, I figure people will see this um, uh, and, and had it as a threat. But, you know, with September 20th, so we're 11 days away and they're not even, they, they don't have, they have nothing, right? Um, so uh, the partial shutdown is is certainly going to happen. And, and and I think that, like, McCarthy's only way out of it is, I, I guess in theory they could, they could pass something that the crazies want and then try to belatedly put the pressure on the Democrats in the Senate to like, come to the table and all that. But I, the damage might be already done by then. Well, counterpoint to uh, to the normie R you just 
positive. Uh, what if maybe they can just listen to the crazies and keep winning anyway? I just think that that's possible. Okay. Bob Corker. We had a Zelensky? Bob Corker interview. You don't want to do Zelensky before you do Corker? I thought no, you teased Zelensky. We got to go, man. We're, we gotta we go. are on the clock. We have long. a hard out here. You got to go teach young, impressionable children. I do. But it was pretty great. Can we just have a moment, though? Like, okay. Like, it's nice. To, when we have a moment of moral clarity from the president of the United States at the UN, a president's mm. not a total embarrassment. I was with Chris yeah. Matthews in the green room, name drop, and he was talking about how one of Biden's problems is that is that you need a, this is such a Chris Matthews take. You need a strong voice to be a president, and Biden sometimes voices too limp. And I, I thought that was interesting. He said that to me in the morning, and a couple hours later, I was watching Biden like yelling his speech at the UN. So I don't know, maybe Chris has an in at the White House, but um, Biden seems strong literally and figuratively, at the UN, which was good. He's going to get a lot of credit from voters about that, too, I'm sure. Zelensky was there, and he's going to be at the, in Congress. And I, I note he will be in a T-shirt, and he's, you know, the great hero of our time, and he seemed to manage to, you know, lead a nation um, in a T-shirt and do so do so uh, inspirationally. But not shorts. He's not wearing basketball not shorts. shorts. <laughs> but uh, anyway, I think that's great. That's all That's all I wanted to say. I just, you teased it, and I felt like since nobody's going to mention it, it's nice. It's nice. That we had a moment of moral clarity from the president. You know, I'm depressed by it because, again, this is a thing that that is, A, very important, B, very salient, uh, C, Biden is doing a very good job of, and D, Republicans, and particularly Trump, are insane about. And it registers precisely nothing. I think. All right. Sarah, you look, you're giving me death stares. No, I'm not. I'm, I'm actually thinking about Zelensky, the way Zelensky dressed and how people freaked out last time about that, that he wasn't wearing a suit. But I got to say... He looks good when he he's dressing like like the commander, like a warrior, and it's projecting something important. It's projecting something important, Tim Miller, because your clothes project something important. Thank you. When Carrie you got Link an important job to do. John yeah. Fetterman's clothes project that he's a yinzer. Right. Right? He's one of yins. Come on, Sarah. I'm trying here. <laughs> Get nothing. Uh, all right. Last try. Bob Corker gave an interview with Politico where he talks about how great his life is after the Senate. And he's just out there wheeling and dealing and making tons of money and playing golf with famous people. And <laughs> it's great. I want to kill Bob Corker after reading this article. Here, Here's the headline. The headline is a moderate anti-Trump Republican who got fed up with the Senate has retirement advice for Mitt Romney. I was like, oh, that, that was an intriguing headline for me. It's like maybe there's some advice about how Mitt Romney could make a difference from the outside and, and help nudge the party towards sanity or maybe help support the current president of the United States, who's the last man standing between us and the end of the longest continuously running democracy in the world. No, that was not his advice, actually. Here's Bob Corker in an interview with Ian Ward. Ward asked, you and Senator Romney were seen as some of the last remaining moderate Republican critics of Trump in the Senate. Does his retirement mark the end of the era? an era? That's Ward. Corker, oh, I don't know. I don't pay a lot of attention to what each senator is doing or not these days, but he obviously, oh, wait, hold on. Let me just do one thing, inaudible yelling. Hey, hey, sorry about that, Ian. That's Kix Brooks. He's a country singer down here in Tennessee, and I'm over at Nashville on business. I'm going to play golf with him. Uh, so that's part of the transcript here. Um, and then, Sarah, I'm glad you're, you're keeping yourself up at night trying to save democracy. You, you keep doing that. Senator Corker is going to be out on the links. And then um, and then we get down here. Uh, finally, the final question. So do you have any nuggets of wisdom to share with Senator Romney as he plans for his post-Senate life? Take this time before committing to something to make sure it's something you really want to do. He'll be hit with lots of opportunities. I know I was. But wait a year. 
Because if you make a decision that takes you down a road, uh, it takes time to unravel that. And then you burn up a lot of your productive life pursuing something that is not the right thing. So close to getting it. He's so close to getting it. It's right. It's like the you, worst commencement address ever. You could burn up a lot of your productive life pursuing something that is not the right thing. Couldn't you, Bob Corker? You piece of shit who's spending time <laughs> golfing with C-list country singers and lobbying instead of actually trying to do something to save the country from this deranged lunatic that ran you out of the Senate. Maybe you could do something productive. Fuck. I just, God, my, I, those are, it's the Bulwark Reddit people posted this thing. I don't think I would have seen it because nobody cares what Bob Corker thinks. So I don't think I would have seen this interview otherwise. And my blood pressure is skyrocketing again. Maybe, Sarah, you can you can tell me whether I'm off base or not. Maybe Senator Corker has just been deepening his practice and has come to accept the <laughs> things he cannot change. And he, like me, has come to understand that, uh, look, the citizens of this country are going to do what they're going to do. Why shouldn't he just make a lot of money and play golf so that if they do something bad, it can't affect him? What's the Martin Luther King quotation? It's like, it won't be the hostility of our enemies, but the silence of our friends that will do us in. And I think that, look, uh, Corker joins the ranks. I mean, I haven't heard anything from our friend down in Arizona, Jeff Flake. Jeff Flake. Many well, of the ambassador people... to Turkey, just hanging okay. out in Tur- Ankara. Oh, okay, great. Yeah. Um, That's an important job. George W. Bush, Condoleezza Rice. I think... One of the deepest failures, like it's not even the anti-antis, although they are a very deep failure, but the the lack, the way that people decided just to let somebody else have the fight and to go live the good life and stick, stay in their tribe and on their team and hang out at the club. And that's just what's crazy to me too. It's like, at least if that's going to be your life, and I shouldn't throw lump Jeff Flake in because he did go out in a blaze of glory. Right. And at least he said the right thing on the way out. And the whole bunch of them didn't. Right. A whole bunch of them didn't. And I'll throw some know. other names out there. Yeah. How about the Committee to Save America? I was talking about this on TV. Like, like Nicole Wallace had this thing on Friday where she's like, there's a red flashing light blinking right now. This is maybe what caused my nightmares. Um, and, and like, I, I feel like no one is too speaking out about it. Right. I mean, where's John Kelly, Jim Mattis? Where are like none of these? Like, Everybody, H.R. McMaster, Dina Powell's helping her husband run for Senate again, I guess, on the same ticket as Donald Trump. Like, like nothing, like nothing. They're all just doing their own version of the Bob Corker thing. And like, maybe maybe we'll be wrong and they'll all come out and endorse Biden. Well, Dina Powell won't. Um, but maybe some of them, I mean, like, if I were George W. Bush, you're not going to say anything. But like, the fact that they're not saying anything during the Republican primary. Right. And is like, I don't understand I'll never understand this part. Rex Tillerson? Where's Rex? He doesn't have a political career. And they could all jump together. They could all do this together. Do a letter. Longwell Partners will organize it. Write a letter. Do a joint interview. I really would organize it. I would really like to do this. Join Send them out there to say it to everybody minutes. all the time. Yeah. It's fucking people. Bob Corker can eat a dick. Good show. Long show. More dick content than we've ever had on this show between Lauren Bobert and Matt Gates and Bob Corker. Sorry about that, Sarah. Uh, we should have saved this for an episode where Sonny was sitting in for you. Yeah, seriously. Hey, did you guys see Matt Gates is going to run for governor of Florida? Mm. Yeah. Against Byron Donalds. We're really sending our best to the Florida governorship. Unreal. He'll win, right? 
Byron will be a tough competitor. You know what happens after you're governor of Florida? You get to run for president. America, get your head around this. At some point in the next eight years, Matt Gates is going to run for president. I think Byron. I got, I'm, I'm taking Byron in that head-to-head. We can mark the Really? Sarah, mark what would you I don't know. If somebody Matt Gates is a really big forehead. I don't know if I'd go head-to-head with him. <laughs> give give me your, uh, you know, if you had to put you had to put five bucks on this, who, who would you take? Byron or Gates? I might take Byron, too. I'm not, I don't know enough about mm. him yet. Um, here's the thing, though. Guess what? Matt Gates is one of the worst most despicable people out there but like both of them are big donald trump supporters and both of them, i mean like it's not like there's like so much daylight like there's uh casey i mean there DeSantis is some, could but... be in there too casey could do it and then we could have a little <laughs> really a, quite a showdown oh please god yes please let casey DeSantis run for for governor of florida that would be amazing um you know part of me would almost like to see casey elected president just for the humiliation of ron that that would create Like, I might die from schadenfreude. Okay, guys, good show, long show. Remember, focus group coming on Saturday. Before you get out of here, if you are on YouTube, hit the uh, subscribe button to the main Bulwark feed because we're going to be switching out of the Next Level feed soon. Sarah is hosting Thursday Night Bulwark for Bulwark Plus members only. Sign up. I will do the Saw Focus Group murder room if enough of you pay me. Bye. Bye. (laughs)